All right, good morning, good afternoon, good night, wherever you happen to be, and welcome to the Signum University Roundtable. And I, I, I wanted to kind of invent some walk-in music, like um, maybe something triumphant, or, um, and all I could think of, you know, were Norsemen going to war. And so I didn't actually launch that. I'm not sure that's the vision we have for the College for the Fall, exactly, College for the Fall or not. But I welcome all, all you. It's great to, to see uh, so many people here in the um, attending this. To get a, you're gonna get a taste of the courses that we have coming up from the fall. So this could be great if you happen to be one of the students that are signed up. If you're sitting on the fence between courses, you should of course take mine, uh, or you can take any of these choices. And then of course, uh, if if you are tuning in either live now or in the video on the Signum University YouTube page, this may be the chance for you to choose and launch your Signum uh, first class. So, uh, and and, and it, it's a it's a great semester to do that. Um, although I tend I tend to change my career in my heart every August, November, you know, and April as the class lists come up, and I want to uh, launch into a new career. I'm, I'm convinced I will I will learn. Uh, old Norse uh, and old Icelandic and everything and 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 change my life. So um, people are always telling me to change my life. Maybe I should do it academically. So what we're going to do today is I'm going to give a little introduction to our panelists uh, for today who are a part of the teaching team, but not all the teaching team that we have today. And I'm going to also uh, just share a little screen here and uh, we're going to get to know them for a few minutes. And then what we're going to do is go ahead and um, uh, introduce the courses. We're going to take questions as uh, we we go. And, um, and so I hope that you can populate the question box uh, there. That'd be great. All right. Now, so this, uh, shall we begin? Uh, we'll begin in the order that we're going to uh, talk about the classes. So let's begin uh, with, uh, I guess myself, I'm uh, one of uh, Maggie Park and I are part of the Folkloric Transformation Team for the fall. And uh, I am a lecturer and preceptor here at Signum and I curate the blog at pilgrimandarnia.com. Uh, Maggie Park earned her PhD in film and digital media from Bangor University. Do we say Bangor? No, banger. Banger. Yeah, Bangor University in Wales uh, with her uh, specialty in uh, creative industries. And if you actually take a look at her um, her webpage on Signum, you can actually see a great number of the things uh, that she is active in. So give us a little wave, Maggie. Make sure your mic's working. Good stuff. All right, good. Uh, and then uh, we have a Sara Brown, Dr. Sara Brown, and we have a John Garth that are here uh, for a new class that we have on Tolkien's Worlds. Um, Sara is a lecturer preceptor within language and literature faculty, really one of our longest term, not our oldest, our longest term serving uh, uh, teachers. Um, yeah, super careful because she's also my boss in the MA uh, thesis coordination program and really in all other ways because she's uh, a chair and all these great things. Uh, really important um, uh, Tolkien uh, scholarship work too as well. And uh, that's one of the reasons that she's working with, with John Garth on a new class on Tolkien's Worlds. Uh, John, uh, this is I think your second full class with us at Signum University. Is that right, John? But also have done a, a handful of lectures here and there. Also does some popular writing because he has worked himself into the space of being one of the preeminent Tolkien historians, which is an important disciplinary 
distinctive to, to think in that sort of way, but who uh, also is able to tackle that, that the breadth of linguistic beauty, um, the depth of the myth, and all those kind of contextual realities that have to do with Tolkien. And so not everybody could do this. Uh, we loved his great war class and we're really looking forward uh, to this, both based on books, of course, Tolkien and the Great War, the award-winning and influential uh, text, uh, which which I still love, and then uh, the worlds of J.R.R. Tolkien, which is actually on my desk right now uh, because it's the biggest book we have for the semester, so it's holding up my microphone. It's the only one that was large enough physically to hold it up. Can you hold it up, Sarah, there, just so that... Uh, so uh, many uses. So many uses. But beyond that, it's actually really beautiful and, and, and helpful. Uh, if you could actually, you could strip out the text and you would have a good book. Uh, and, uh, uh, and and you would still, no, you would still have a good book. Well put. Yeah, no, no, but uh, to be fair, not every coffee table. I get that comment a lot myself. Yeah, but not every, you can strip out a lot of things in my work. Not every coffee table book is is still a book um, when you take out the, the the beauty of the design and then this also has the beautiful design which is which is um, which is pretty cool all right okay and then and now we have uh, Nelson Goring who's a uh, pre waving at us there uh, in his uh, angelic glow uh, he is one of our le uh, lecturers and preceptors um, uh, is it a cooch mountains in Wisconsin what is that no, Cooch Mountains. It's a it's a little spot that the glaciers didn't go. So we have a few little bumps <laughs> and hills, uh, and uh, and and we we um, grandiosely uh, dubbed these mountains. Gorgeous, gorgeous. Um, and uh, you're going to be uh, teaching our Chaucer class, is that right, this semester? Yeah, he's good stuff. Nice. Yeah, and he's got a DPhil in comparative philology, general linguistics from Oxford. That's where one gets a DPhil. Um, and of course, he's part of this great Germanic linguistic kind of uh, line that we have at Signum University. Uh, I think really um, a global leading uh, uh, bits of work that are being done, not just in the teaching, but within the faculty. And so we also have an Attic Poetry class uh, that's being offered by uh, Professor Carl Edland Anderson uh, uh, with a AB in folklore and myth from Harvard College and a PhD uh, from the Department of Anglo-Saxon, Norse and Celtic at the University of Cambridge. Um, and I would encourage you also to check out his page. And I think most, most of us also have writings and public talks that you can find through our various web pages and social media accounts. Okay, so welcome, welcome to the team. Uh, uh, welcome everyone. Now I want to, I want to ask a question. So it's uh, just to warm up and then we'll get into your courses. Okay, I want you to think of three scenarios. Uh, what's on your bedside table for books? I mean, I should be really clear about this. What's on your bedside table? What's on your desk? And what's uh, in your earbuds or AirPods or whatever um, device that you use to listen on your, your FM receiver in your car radio? So basically, what's the book that you're reading just for fun? What's a book that you're really working on? Uh, as an academic text, and then what are you uh, listening to um, for whatever reason? Um, so let, let's uh, let's begin. Uh, let's go ahead and begin with Maggie. Do you want to answer that for us? Sure. Uh, Bedside Table is the new Hunger Games prequel, Ballad of Songbirds and Snakes. Um, kind of getting my head back in some YA event film adaptation stuff, and that's come out just a few weeks ago. Um, so that's enjoyable, but a bit fun and light, but still looking at it with a bit of a brain. 
Um, my desk doesn't have a book on it at the moment, but it has a boatload of post-its where I'm writing down book titles. Um, I'm putting together a book proposal, so I'm doing a bit of a general lit review of what I need to read before I put together my own work. So that's that's that one. Um, and then in my ears, uh, I go on a lot of walks around here and like to have something that makes me think while I'm moving. And I've been doing um, me and white supremacy to just kind of do my own work in what's happening in the world and look a little internally at how I can help externally. Um, so that's been really fun to do with three friends. So we've been kind of going through the workbook together on that one. So yeah, that's that's what I'm up to. Beautiful, beautiful. Nelson, what about yourself? Uh, on your bedside table, oh, this may be a lounge chair. You can read anywhere. I'm not judging. Uh, on your desk and in your ear, yeah. Uh, well, on my uh, uh, bedside table, I'm reading uh, *The Shadowed Sun* by N.K. Jemisin, uh, okay. which is a very excellent sort of Egyptian-flavored fantasy. Uh, of course, Jemisin is great in general. Yeah. Um, I don't have one single book that I've got a whole bunch of books piled around right now because I'm trying to put together a book proposal of my own. Um, so that's been sort of, uh, uh, yeah, eating up all my, all my, uh, emptying off my shelves and piling up on my desk and the couch and everything. Um, and then for, uh, for what's in my ear, I've been listening while like doing the dishes and things like that. I've been uh, listening to the Chinese history podcast, which is, um, just something completely different from what I normally do. Beautiful, beautiful, excellent. Thank you. Now, what about you, uh, Carl? What do you, what are in your on your desk and bedside table and in your ear? Well, on the bedside table, it's not really me. Um, I have a ten-year-old daughter who has been working her way through Harry Potter, and uh, I've been reading her Lord of the Rings as well, and she's been occasionally exclaiming in both cases, hey, the book was different from the movie. And um, <laughs> so an important discovery as she goes along there. But uh, we, I've been, she's been reading on her own, I've been reading to her, et cetera. Um, and that's because I haven't really had the time to do a lot of reading myself. On the desk, carefully out of sight, uh, or out of shot, <laughs> I have a lot of stuff related to edit poetry, partially because we're updating some of the materials for the upcoming course, myself and, and Paul Peterson, who's also um, precepting in the course, um, but also because I promised to give a plenary presentation to an online conference organized by some people in Brazil on like like the the mythological geography of, of Norse myth geography of Norse myth, something like that. And I have to actually come up with something to say by October for that. So um, going back and forth there. That's a shocking reality of committing to something, right? Yeah, I know. Um, but hey, it's in October and I've already, you know, at least wrote, written the title down on a okay. file. So it's, it's not. That's uh, good. I, I currently don't believe that uh, October exists. Um, uh, sorry, did, did and then your uh, your earbud or your uh... oh, I don't have anything particular. I I listen to um, a lot of audio production podcasts. I'm an amateur home musician, and so I'm always listening to people chat about things. And I don't always learn something from it, but it's very soothing sometimes, and I fall asleep. Good. Well, that's great, actually. Um, um, I would, I would, I would buy a night's sleep just right now. So uh, the uh, it's super warm where I live, um, uh, and it's not supposed to be. Like it's a, 
See, although you can it's come here, it's it's not warm at all. <laughs> well, it's great for beach lovers, though. Like if 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 we could have tourists, it would be a great summer. So, uh, Sarah Brown, what, what's uh, what's on your bedside table, what's on your desk, and what's in your ears? Okay, so um, on my bedside table, and I've actually almost finished it, is a book called The Extraordinaries by T.J. Klune. Um, and if you haven't read any T.J. Klune, I highly recommend him uh, absolutely wonderful this this one is like a a, a young adult book actually uh, and it's about um these kids in their late teens and the extraordinaries are what he calls the super queeros they are it's so it's um it, it's exploring sexuality but it's also exploring uh, the idea of being more than you are and do we really need to be that way and all that kind of thing and and the the main hero is like a 16 year old kid is neuroatypical and it's just it's a fantastic read it's absolutely wonderful so that's that on my desk is this and it's literally on my desk um because obviously <laughs> i'm preparing for john's class which is starting very soon so uh i'm on my third read through of this now because obviously i'm making notes um for when we get to the classes so that's that and in my earbuds okay i'm currently listening to uh on the bbc sounds app a wonderful podcast called you're dead to me um which is history uh, it's a really funny but interesting and really well done podcast about history so oh. i think just... it's in its second or third series something like that but it's absolutely brilliant beautiful excellent um gorgeous all right and john uh what's on your bedside table on your work table and in your ears and um, the, the book i'm trying to uh read for relaxation is uh the ancestors tale by richard dawkins which takes the structure of the canterbury tales and applies it to a a backwards history of evolution so from us back to the beginnings um and that's a, a mixture of very challenging and and, and hugely enjoyable um the uh the stuff that's on my desk well it's all to do with landscape and culture and so on it's it, it, i pulled out all, all the books that uh will provide me with some extra stimulus and you know re refresh my uh excitement about the subject for the, for the course while i'm teaching it um and what i'm listening to uh well i'm listening to a bit of uh robert mcfarlane uh who, who writes fantastic uh, landscape writing, The Old Ways uh, and Underland, his latest book, which is about uh, caves and so on. Um, but when I really need to switch off um, and not think about the, the subject I'm going to be teaching, I'm listening to Arundhati Roy's uh, The God of Small Things. Mm. Wow, gorgeous, excellent. All right, um, I guess for myself, I am on my bedside table, I'm uh, finishing up uh, Octavia Butler's uh, um, uh, Blood. Oh, jeez, I just <laughs> I just lost the name. <laughs> Somebody will write it in here. Uh, the short stories collection, starting with the Blood one, um, and uh, part of that was I'm supervising a thesis, and I read through all of Octavia Butler's stuff, but I laced her stories out just kind of throughout between the the books, and then a. Um, but I'm also doing this vampire class or part vampire class and Octavia Butler's stuff just tends to be vamp vampiric uh, in one way or another. And then, um, 
can't believe I lost that. On my desk is a book by a Canadian historian called Max Hammond, uh, who who I have uh, taught with. Um, it's a book called The Audacity of His Enterprise, Louis Riel and the Métis Nation that Canada Never Was. And so it's about <clears throat> rethinking an Indigenous perspective in Canada. Uh, and uh, Riel is a fa family name, actually, um, for some ideological reason in the past which so I'm just interested in it's it won a transnational history award which is kind of cool and near my earbuds I got in trouble I downloaded like a free book with like a one of these uh, audiobook programs online and uh, it was a vampire archives just to kind of get myself ready it's got kind of the oh, it's it's a it's a collection of a whole bunch of uh, readers and um, you know a bunch of past writings and some newer ones uh, it turns out it's a 70 hour audio book <laughs> so I didn't realize I started into it and I wondered like these stories are really long they're each taking like an hour or two for the person to read and then oh wow this is a mammoth book 60 or 70 hours and so I'm not sure how far I'll get but I'm kind of doing the the Victorian ones and seeing where it where it goes so um, anyway those are those are my three uh, although I'm going camping next week, so there'll be something just a paper book, probably with some Greek name, numbers in the title or something. So, all right. Um, okay, let's go to the classes. And so we're going to briefly, basically, uh, pitch and describe the class. And so let's go ahead and begin with, sorry, let's begin uh, with, can we begin with the class on, um, sorry, it was a tech issue here there we go okay let's begin so we have these four classes that we want to discuss and we're going to begin with folkloric transformations which is big bad wolves and vampires uh, a class that i'm part of the team but maggie could you give us just a quick sense of that class and and uh, and we'll go from there sure um i think what excited me the most was that this is looking at things that most of us will be familiar with. This is popular literature um, in a way uh, that you wouldn't have thought about it necessarily. So we're looking at the folklore uh, traditions that inspired the text that we're more familiar with now. So when you see the title, you're like, okay, folklore, yeah, it's probably some fairy tales. No, we're looking at Buffy the Vampire Slayer. We're looking at I Am Legend. Uh, we're looking at Interview with the Vampire. Um, so personally, I'm really pumped about this. If, if you know me, you know my PhD case study was Twilight, don't judge me. So I'm really excited to have some other vampiric work come into the world. Um, but my big thing is looking at adaptation and how people reimagine literature. And I just finished teaching Demetra Feeney's um, fantasy, modern fantasy course. Um, and the way she presents information lets you really sink your teeth into it, but also keeps it at a really level playing field. So she gives you the information in a way that you can see how it applies to the literature that you grew up with, that you absolutely love, but you're getting this whole new angle on it. Um, so yeah, I'm, I'm really pumped about it. And I just think the reading list and the things that we're gonna be looking at are excellent. It'll be mm. good fun. Yeah, um, Demetra Femi is great at application or at method an application right yes. so it's a it's a folk folklore method class in that sense but the application is in really contemporary pop culture moments in this case vampires in the first half big bad wolves in the second you mentioned adaptation um and the second half is is a, a different 
kind of course, right? Like it kind of moves um, and really kind of has um, a number of things. What 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 of the stories in the second half are you kind of looking forward to to digging into? Yeah. Yeah, or, I mean, or, or films. There's films in the class. There's films and games and and stories and and pop culture moments. So it's not just a reading course. But sorry, Maggie, go ahead. No, sorry. I, I like that we're getting excited. That's all right. I mean, I'm I'm new to this course, so I'm going to be doing the lectures along with my students. Um, but in terms of the reading list and what we're going into, and just knowing what Demetri Fini brings into a lecture, exactly like you said, you're going to get pretty high level academic ability and skill and uh, grounding, but through this lens of things that are really fun and accessible. And, and I really love it when we can bring some credibility to popular culture and things like that, because people just dismiss it and there's no need for that. There's absolutely no need for that. So being able to look at something like Roald Dahl, being able to look at Buffy the Vampire Slayer and really dissect it for the genius that it takes to create something as popular and well-received as that, but also as smart and well-constructed. Um, so I really love adaptation purely for the imagination behind it. You take something and you reimagine it. I love that. But the ability to bring in that academic structure um, and that kind of framework to look at something, um, just really good fun. So, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, no, and and actually, I think like the Buffy, the Buffy lecture, I think on the first couple of episodes of season five is actually one of my favorite lectures, like of history. So not just of this course, but of any lecture that I've seen. Um, and uh, and so I think you're right there. And I was like blown away by the, I think it was the a couple of the films, Let the Right One In. Oh, which so is uh, 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 just like disturbing on a great, great levels um, after so much kind of, you know, horror that's at the B level to have something elevated like that. And then the uh, film Freeway with um, uh, Legally Blonde, Reese Witherspoon, is that who, mm -hmm. is that who the actress is? It's just yeah. <laughs> just like, wow, it's it's a great adaptation of the 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 Little Red Riding Hood story. It's a com it's a complete new, fresh adaptation. Gabriel says here. Sorry, go ahead, Maggie. Yeah. Oh, I was gonna say I just finished a, a teaching a world cinema course, and Let the Right One In was one of the the films on that. So I've been looking at it with such a filmic mindset that I hope I can bring some of that into my classes. But I'm really looking forward to seeing the literature side of it. So not yeah. the film imagery visuals, but the actual content. Yeah. Well, and if you read, like we have uh, Richard Matheson, Anne Rice, and Bram Stoker on the list. Each of those are it's a very, they're very literary books. Um, you know, Interview with the Vampire is a very literary book. And, uh, you know, Marshall Shelley's Frank, or Mary Shelley's Frank, Frankenstein behind it is as well. Like, so there's a literary stream, which is beautiful. Gabriel says here that uh, I love the reading list. Really cool to have a video game. Is this the only, is this unique to Signum to have a video game assigned in a course? I don't know. Um, you know, uh, is it, does it, anyone know? Like, I think Lotro, I guess, gets looped in from time to time is that right i've definitely know. done some suggested games in my courses but i don't think it's been required material for anything yet beautiful beautiful okay good and any other questions there from um the panelists or from the uh the audience will take those uh and you you know they can come in throughout the hour but we'll move on here in a moment uh to the to the next the next class uh, i i um i'm still not quite sure uh maggie how to take Polidori's The Vampire. I'm still on the fence about whether this is like, you know, you know, cutting edge and engaging or campy, you know, and awful. I just, I go back and forth. It only takes, I don't know, an hour or two to read. It's not a long story, um, but uh, I'm That's still- okay. I'm 
I, I like it when things make you a little, I don't know where that falls. Like we, yeah, we yeah. should be okay with that kind of strain on it. And it's nice to look at these things from different lenses. And yeah. as again, like, I don't want to be, be a dead horse, but like having something like Buffy the Vampire Slayer on the syllabus and saying, think what you want about that. Or like, every time I talk about, you know, my case study of Twilight, like think about what you want about that, but I'm going to break it down. Like we're going to have fun with this and dig yeah. into it. And, and yeah, so I, I think the discussion around it, especially if you don't know where that falls in, that's probably more interesting, as interesting as the text. I would never say yeah. more. You're right. Yeah, and I would encourage people if you're going to watch Buffy for the the class, not to watch all, not to wait for all seven episodes for that lecture that week. That might be just too much Buffy that's a lot. for for one day or one week. So, although physically possible, I'm sure in some universe um, and, and the Doctor Who universe for one. Um, yeah, and I like how John Polidori. Uh, um, spells vampire with a y i've i've started spelling my name with a y just to kind of have that kind of classic classic feel there good good all right let's let's actually move to uh joan garth and sarah brown on the the next piece which is our conversation about uh the tolkien's world class um and uh there we go good stuff now what's so what's the what's the name of the book and what's the name of the class? Uh, let's say, say, John, will you will you uh, just clarify that with us because we don't often do this with a class poster, which is hold a book up against. Oh. Some, some German, German friends of mine, the the, the uh, key key figures in the uh, German Tolkien Society, took my book up to the top of a mountain and photographed it against the Alps, which was very lovely of them. Um, so the course is. Uh, the same title as the book and anyone who, who has the book and has opened it to the contents page will see that the uh the schedule is suspiciously like the contents <laughs> um so the, the book will basically structure the uh the course now i'm not gonna i promise you i'm not gonna simply open the book and read each chapter you know week by week uh, the book um was an intense piece of research and ended up being about twice as long as the publisher actually wanted and there was still more that I really wanted to get in there. Um, there's a lot that's only touched on very lightly where I, I put a great deal more thought into it so I'm hoping that there will be there will be plenty of material that, uh, that I can add to uh, what's in the in the book. Um, there will be things in the book that I want to unpack more um off the, off the top of my head um i talk about um the influence on tolkien of the book in northern mists by fritjof nansen uh the norwegian explorer um who uh wrote this massive two volume uh history of arctic exploration in which he talks about vinland the norse settlements in uh the new world um and i because he brings in a great deal of history, he brings in a great deal of folklore and myth. Um, and Tolkien knew this book and he did respond to it. We know he responded to it. Um, I, I want to explore the relationship between that book and Tolkien's ideas of the geography of the Great Sea and of Valinor um, and the Lonely Isle. So that's, that's just one point that I'd, I'd like to expand more. Um, there are topics that I, I didn't even cover in the book, but I, you know, may, maybe we'll talk about, you know, uh, other worlds. Uh, so Tolkien describes other planets in the Notion Club papers. Um, I want to talk about maps, maps as adjunct 
gates to world building mm -hmm. and as doorways for readers uh, to, to enter into uh, fictional worlds. I'll, I'll bring in analogues from you know, other, other authors that um, we know and love, uh, uh, C.S. Lewis perhaps, obviously, um, Ursula Le Guin's Earthsea books, mm -hmm. uh, various um, books familiar to British readers of a certain age, um, such as uh, Alan Garner's and Susan Cooper's fantasies. Um, so, so we'll be expanding outwards in that direction. Um, but also we want to give it some kind of academic rigor. I wrote my book as a, a book for the general intelligent Tolkien fan. Um, it's not an academic book, though I've tried to make it well sourced. Um, we need to talk about uh, Tolkien's theories of literary creation, sub-creation, secondary worlds, what he meant by allegory and feigned history. And there, there's a great little finding, I'm very proud of this little finding of mine um, about the inspiration for um, the, the elf towers west of the Shire and how that relates to Tolkien's famous lecture, Beowulf, the Monsters and the Critics. Uh, and I want to talk about how the tower in the, the lecture is allegorical and essentially the same tower uh, in the Lord of the Rings uh, is not allegorical. Yeah. Um, is biographical criticism valid? Is source criticism of the kind I practice in this book valid? Uh, how do you do it well? What does it add to uh, an understanding and appreciation of the book you're reading? Um, I want to uh, I want to to try to share with students some of my research techniques. Um, so show them how I investigate uh, things that I'm curious about, how I validate, how I, how I try and prove things, um, how I how I conclude that something is not worth investigating any further. Uh, that kind of thing. So there are various examples um, that I that I'll I'll unpack. Um, uh, and, and talk about online resources in particular, I think, because those, those are ones that we can all access from our desks. And it will be a visually rich course, I think, with plenty of extra photographs and maps and artwork and so on. Good. Okay, thank you. Excellent. Yeah, I, I apologize. I have um, some things flashing on my screen, so I'm going to just make an adjustment here. Um, uh, my apps have to tell me every moment of the day what's happening. So, so John, it sounds like uh, what we've got in this book is, or in this class is uh, some of the, the highlights of the book, the structure of the book, which made sense as you wrote it, so it makes sense as a class, but also a couple of other things uh, uh, allow students to kind of walk alongside you in the way that you discover these things, but then a, a little bit of a peek behind the veil when it comes to some, some paths that weren't uh, followed is that is that a fair kind of assessment of what what you're talking yeah, about? I guess so. I mean, and fundamentally, the point of the course is to 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 walk on the path Tolkien walked to try to try to put yourself in his shoes. It's all about um, uh, the way cr creativity works, seen through this this prime example of a creative genius. Mm, yeah, and it just resonated in all these words. So, Sarah, you uh, you teach our token context class, and uh, and I know that you've held up the book a number of times. So, I believe that uh, I can do it again. 
you can do it again. I believe you own it. Uh, and uh, I'm sure you're excited as with the others in the teaching team to sign up for this class. Uh, Kate Neville here says, oh, I'm super happy. I'm even hearing this, I'm even happier that I signed up for this class. Um, so what is it, uh, maybe one of the sections or one of the themes, what is something that you're really looking into kind of diving deep for those who are uh, uh, don't know exactly how this happens. We offer kind of uh, expert lecture series uh, once or twice a week or, or expert tutorials, and then they move into smaller group discussions or uh, applications through tutorials. And so Sarah will be doing these small group discussions, uh, the preceptor sessions. What is it something that you're looking at really kind of highlighting in this piece? Okay, well, let's take it back to something that John mentioned just a few minutes ago, which is um, to what extent is biographical criticism valid? Um, mm. Tolkien himself, of course, vacillated between it's dreadful, don't do it, and yeah, whatever, if you want to, um, because that was Tolkien, right? Uh, he kept changing his mind about certain things, but um, it's where I started my Tolkien and Context course from. That was the beginning point there is, okay, biographical criticism, what's the point of it? Does it really add anything? So um, I really loved exploring Tolkien contextually and this is a contextual area that I didn't really explore because it's nowhere near my wheelhouse. Um, so one of the things I'm really looking forward to, uh, and it's John himself who's got me fired up about this, is maps and looking at the way in which maps can really add to uh, our reading and understanding of a text and provide a whole different gateway into the text. So I'm really looking forward to that. He's recommended some extra books for me to read and yes, I purchased them straight away and yes, they've already arrived and yes, they're also on my desk. And there's some wonderful, wonderful books that are on the um, reading list, which we've just put out for, uh, for people who are interested. Uh, and that's one of the areas I'm really, really looking forward to exploring because I have never really explored that sort of thing before. So um, I'm looking forward to something new for me as well. Uh, it, uh, it pushes my nerd buttons, put it that way. <laughs> yeah, one of the, uh, I, re I remember taking, picking up for Nicholas uh, in, at Wheaton College, uh, uh, Lord of the Rings, at the Wade Center, Lord of the Rings kind of Middle Earth map, and then a Narnia, the colored Narnia map. But the 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 Middle Earth map was like a, kind of the fake, um, kind of looked like a, a, you know it was like on vellum or something. It had this kind of fake brown color. It was great when he was little. It was a perfect perfect thing. Uh, now I I want to actually go into a little more detail than this particular. Um, reproduction can do. So love this. I love maps. We're going to uh, take your questions here uh, for Sarah and John uh, as they uh, offer this class. And then we're also, but we're also going to move forward now uh, and, and go ahead. I'm just going to advance this here uh, and go ahead and talk about Chaucer. I mean, when do we not talk about Chaucer? I mean, isn't that the, the question? Uh, this is uh, Chaucer, One Vision's Love. Okay, can you give us a, a, a sense of this here, please, Nelson? Yeah, yeah sure thing. So um, in case you don't know who Chaucer is, he's uh, uh, one of the preeminent uh, late Middle English poets, uh, active in the late 1300s. Um, a sort of, he's, he, in some ways he's sort of, he is Middle English for a lot of people. I sort of cringe a little when I say that because there's a lot of other Middle English out there that I also love, but um, he's, he's really, he's really an outstanding uh, Middle English poet. Uh, and this class will focus, this is one of two uh, classes we offer on Chaucer. 
Uh, the second one, the follow-up to this, is on the Canterbury Tales, his, his probably his best-known work. This is sort of on almost everything else, basically. Um, so it's uh, Visions of Love. Uh, a number of these poems are dream visions, often dealing with the theme of love, along with fate and grief and all sorts of other things. Um, and then, as you can see, a, a whole lot of the class is, uh, is devoted um, specifically to a poem that isn't, isn't a dream vision as such, unlike a lot of these, but is a uh, regarded as sort of Chaucer's other great masterpiece and his only actually really finished, Canterbury Tales isn't finished, this is only sort of really finished masterpiece, Troilus and Criseta. Um, so we'll be spending, I think, five or six weeks on that, six weeks it looks like on that, um, as well as uh, uh, reading the whole thing, as well as um, uh, Il Filistrato, which is the, uh, uh, which we'll read in translation, uh, the Italian work that Chaucer um, more translated slash expanded slash reworked to make Troilus and Criseta. Um, we will be reading all of this in Middle English. You do not need any prior training in that. We will teach you how to read Middle English. Uh, it's not really that hard, especially Chaucer's late Middle English. Uh, and uh, it looks a little formidable at first glance, but it's you'll get used to it uh, very quickly. Yeah. Uh, and so we'll be looking at these various works of Chaucer, various other sources as well, not just Philostrato, uh, to try and understand uh, what Chaucer was doing as a poet, where he was coming from, how he was developing, what sources he was drawing on, um, and all that sort of good stuff. Um, I would say, uh, just as an extra little note, um, this is a, if you're a Tolkien fan, this is a good year to take this class. Uh, since we've just had recently published Tolkien's Lost Chaucer, a book on Tolkien's uh, in the event abortive and never never finished, like so much uh, Tolkien stuff, and like the Canterbury Tales, um, uh, uh, attempt to write a student edition of selections from Chaucer's prose and poetry. Mm. And obviously quite a few of the things we'll be reading in this class are things that would have appeared um, in Tolkien's uh, Chaucer edition if he had ever completed it. Yeah, good, excellent, excellent. And so, yeah, I have to, I have to, I have to emphasize that students that are a little intimidated by reading the Middle English, um, but are attracted to that, the whole world of tales, this is a great place to start. And a lot of it is just having the courage to just read it out loud in whatever kind of accent you want to approximate. And the words will generally come. You have to do a bit of work on, on vocab sometimes, but it's amazing. So I, I, I'm in the in a very small community in the East Coast of Canada. We have a very particular sort of Irish Scottish accent. Works pretty well actually uh, when I make fun of my neighbors uh, in in reading Chaucer. And that's how I just got over that kind of initial fear. And then you can get a little bit more serious. Is that did I just did I just lead our students astray, or is that a fair courage? No, no uh, it's it's it, I mean, reading aloud is is really you know that that can really you you all of a sudden you see things that are in sort of these sort of slightly strange looking medieval spellings and then you try and say it out loud and you go, oh that's you know it's just this word that i already know but in a slightly different um slightly different form i uh, will be using the uh, uh the riverside chaucer uh for this which is very friendly uh it has it has a lot of uh, uh you know little helpful glosses and things like that to uh for for some of them for some of the less um less familiar vocabulary that's in there good yeah and room for notes too or at least my it's, 
Giant, it's actually bigger. I could have used that to hold up my microphone. Actually, that would have been. A yeah, good... it's quite a. It's a. I've got. I've got the hardback version of it, which yeah, is. So, yeah. Same. You can. You can. You can brain somebody with this. Uh, yes, that's right. Although my little picture has been faded, it was set next to a window, so it's kind of yellow. F a picture on the front there. So uh, nice. Okay. If you have questions um, for this class, uh, the the only question is, so if students want to sign up, the maybe they're they're not sure you know where to start can they start either semester or do they need chaucer one to to go into the um canterbury tales class um i'm actually not 100 percent sure i would assume that you could come into the canterbury tales but i may have just said something wrong there so uh no, I, I actually, yeah that's yeah. fine you, you don't have to wait for for chaucer one to come around again if you can't do it this yeah. time it's perfectly yeah. fine yeah, good. That's what, that's what I thought. I just wasn't. Yeah, yeah and another couple of students have come on and said that they did. Uh, one just took Chaucer two, and then one did them in the reverse order. Um, and uh, uh, that's great. I mean, I think it's it's such a a wealth. I mean, uh, Troilus and Cressida is just such a important book um, in in our in our our uh, Western legendarium, so to speak. Right. So I think it's um uh it's a great opportunity. Beautiful. Now you can. I, I tried reading uh, Middle English out loud, just kind of faking it until it started to uh, fit. I tried that with Etic Poetry in the original, Carl. Uh, I actually was a little less successful, um, shockingly, um, than uh, than you might might think. Um, but it is is something I've loved. And there was a recent, a new Canadian edition, um, Canadian poet did a version that I, I quite liked. And so why don't you give us a sense of the class that you have coming up, uh, Attic Poetry in, in, this is an important distinction, in Old Norse, not in yes. Poetic rap. So yeah. Um, yeah, it, it, uh, Old Norse will be a little bit further away from Middle English, um, despite what some have said. Um, it's it's manageable um, if you've had a little bit of background. And this co this course is conceived of as a follow-up to Signum's introduction to Old Norse course, um, which has been running successfully for a number of years. We've had Edic Poetry, um, the course before. Um, in contrast to many kinds of ancient and medieval literature, we are blessed or cursed with a abundance of Old Norse literature. And we, I talk with my colleague at Signum, Paul Peterson, and with Nelson, there's just so many reading thing in Old Norse courses we could do um, and might try to sneak through in the future. But for the moment, we have Eddic poetry and Old Norse, which itself only just scratches the surface of Eddic poetry. Um, but we try to take a, a view of a few different things. So um, certainly, like I say, um, Old Norse literature is you know, very rich. Um, even if we focus just on Eddic poetry, that's very rich. It does help if you've taken our introduction course, but we welcome uh, interest from students who have a little bit of background in Old Norse from elsewhere, or perhaps even modern Icelandic, and you can get in touch with Signum, uh, who will put you in touch with with me or Paul, and we'll you know see if it looks like you're all set to go. If you are all set to go, um, we go through four whole poems essentially from the the Edic or Para Edic catalog. Um, again, for the Tolkien connection, we start with what's known in English as the Battle of the Goths and the Huns. Um, 
which comes out of a saga which Chris Tolkien edited back in the uh, in 1960, I think, is when it was published. We actually use partially Chris Tolkien's uh, edition of the prose, and we've got a more recent um, version of the edition of the poetry. The prose kind of stitches it together in between the verses. It's in some ways a um, a very archaic poem and has some very archaic elements in it going back many centuries before it was actually preserved and written down. All of our writing here is essentially from the 13th century. Um, but it's a it's an interesting and fun introduction to to the corpus. Um, that's one of our our pieces on uh, on heroic legend. Um, heroic legend is um, people behaving badly as opposed to mythology, which is gods behaving badly usually. Um, so we've got the Battle of the Goths and the Huns there. Then we go and we do the Lay of Fafnir. Um, Fafnir is the uh, dragon or really a, a giant or a dwarf or some kind of creature transformed into a dragon uh, who is part of the Volsung legends um, in this poem. Um, he's just been actually mortally wounded, um, but not before he spends a whole poem conversing with his killer, the hero Sigurdr. Um, and there's a lot of back and forth between them with um, insults and asides and um, implications, as you might expect, between two heroic figures, one of whom has just killed the other. Um, so we um, go through we go through that. Um, a lot of that has um, interesting back and forth and riddles, um, which will also be familiar in some ways to Tolkien fans. Tolkien was definitely inspired by not just certain things in the Battle of the Goths and the Huns, edited by his son, and um, also definitely inspired by riddling dragons in the Lay of Favnir. Um, now we switched over to um, towards mythology, and we get the Lay of Grimnir, and we're using an addition prepared by our own Nelson Goring. Uh, so it's all very interconnected here at Sigmund. So we're going to be um, reading that. That's the god Odin basically um, expounding, I think, on various um, bits of mythological wisdom and secret knowledge and so forth. I think that's probably a, a not wholly unreasonable characterization, Nelson. Um, yeah. Um, and then we finish up um, our big pieces with the Prophecy of the Cirrus, um, also known as, as Voluspaal, which is the big Norse mythological poem. It kind of covers the whole stretch of Norse mythology from the beginning of the world to the end of the world and a little bit beyond. Um, so we get a nice overview. We get our heroic legends, um, our archaic heroic legends. We get dragons. We get um, weird mythological uh, wisdom, we get cosmological drama, um, and we do finish up with a little bit of taste of some things, other things that we could do. We look a little bit at the complications of skaldic verse, which are kind of more deliberately obscure and advanced, and we also look a little bit at edic verse in runic inscriptions, um, just to take a different view than people usually do in edic poetry. We've thought about doing a whole runic inscriptions course in the future. We'll see about that. Um, but overall, what's great about this course, it's um, a great way to carry on with your language if you've already got a bit of Old Norse. Um, it uh, looks at a few 
nice uh, different pieces. It's not going to be all the same. You're going to get very different kinds of stories, very different kinds of attitudes, very different kinds of characters in the different poems. Um, but it gives you a good launching point for further reading um, on your own or with us in further courses. So. Yeah. Beautiful, gorgeous. And notice the different additions too that uh, Carl just talked about <clears throat> that are within that. Uh, someone, <clears throat> excuse me, asked about the that poet. Uh, it's just Jeremy Dodds. It's a Canadian contemporary poet, and he just he just has a way of kind of making evoking the world by giving his own um, his own poetic movement. All right, so we're this. We've got you know maybe six or seven minutes left uh before we're going to close this up uh, and uh and we'll actually have to say uh goodbye to Sarah a few minutes before that so we're going to take your last questions about the class for our folks we've got uh, specialty classes uh, in old uh, old Norse and poetic Edda. we've got uh, Chaucer this kind of deep dive we've got then blast behind and within the worlds of of tolkien uh with uh, john garth and sarah and the team and then we also have this folkloric transformation which is also reaches back we begin with that kind of folklore world which is invisible text textually speaking is is not in extent uh and uh, move it forward to extremely contemporary pop culture expressions uh and then the literature uh and film in between so i'll take your questions now uh for, for the panel, and, and the panel, of course, can raise a hand if they happen to have one for one another. But I want to read one here. Uh, excited to take, uh, Scott Hodgman says, excited to take the worlds of Jarrah Tolkien. More so after hearing John's thoughts here, what to expect, the theme of method and theory and good research practice grabbed my attention. One of the multiple reasons I signed up for the course. Question. Do you see themes and theory and method unfolding in context with each chapter as part of that week's lecturing, or will we see method sort of treated transcontextually as a general theme throughout the course? <laughs> what? Pardon? <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not sure I understand the question. I'm sorry. Um, uh, I, I am going to. Uh, we will be interleaving the. Um, yes. Okay. I think. The analysis of Tolkien's inspirations with uh, literary critical discussion or discussion of method that's pertinent as as and when it comes. Good. Yeah. No. I think I think that actually captures the spirit of the question, if not the specifics. But of course, you know, he's signed up. He gets to ask you all the great hard questions uh, on the first day, right? Like this is the the beauty of it. Uh, is it's a live class, and so it'll be dynamic and and moving. Um, and and Sarah, uh, where where would you, what would you have? Um, if students were to pre-read something just for fun, kind of going into it, uh, is there something that you would suggest or or uh, something to watch or uh, an atlas to pull off the shelf? Like, what would you uh, have students do to get into the feeling of that course? Okay. Um, well, first of all, I would hope that any student starting the course has already got a decent background of Tolkien's own works. There are certain ones that uh, we're requiring for the course, but here's one that some people may not have read yet, and if not, this one I would highly recommend, and that is The Lays of Beleriand. That yeah. one you need to read. So if you haven't read that one yet, get on that one before the course starts. Uh, and um, perhaps another one that I would recommend would be 
this this is something else that's that's on the reading list would be Rachel Carson's Silent Spring, mm-hmm. um, particularly the first chapter, and that is bringing in uh, something that John will bring in in uh, some of his classes will be about eco criticism. So looking at the way in which uh, Tolkien was engaging with the landscape and then look. Um, perceiving that from a critical point of view as well. So something like that, I think, will give a really decent background. So that's just two that you could be reading um, to give yourself a nice little taster before you start the course. Oh, nice. I just finished Annie Dillard's Pilgrim at Tinker Creek, and then I'm reading Aldo Leopold's Sand County County Diaries, I think. So Rachel Carson's Silent Spring is sort of my later fall kind of version. I've got this little thread of of trying to connect in that way, especially as I'm often trapped uh, this season, you know, in small spaces. So I've been trying to get out. I mean, hence John's book in, in front of me. Uh, Sane County Al- Almanac, thank you. Not Sane County Diaries, Nelson. Thank you. Yeah. Um, so thank thank you. That That's great. I have a couple other uh, notes notes here as well. Eco-criticism sounds great, says Gabriel. He's uh, quitting his job and signing up for the course. And then uh, we have, we have uh, Scott says, thanks for the, uh, the in-context you captured uh, kind of what he wanted to know about the way that method would work. Um, but um, I, th- I think it's one thing to note. Uh, students in general is that we tend to be doing method as we are both lecturing and precepting small discussions and so always be watching the way we model and not just the don't don't uh, watch the misdirection and and look just at the things that we're studying we tend to be uh, trying in our own limited ways to say, this is good reading, this is good research, this is good scholarship, this is good friendship with the past or text, this is good pro- challenging of the past and texts, right? Uh, is that a fair, is that a fair comment, uh, folks? I think that, you know, captures Oh, that's it. very very much within the uh, preceptor sessions. That's something that we deep dive into in the preceptor sessions, particularly. Yeah, and, and on that note, Brenton, I have to say goodbye, I'm afraid. Thanks, yeah, and we're going to wind up here in a couple minutes. Uh, so last chance to get your uh, questions or comments in here. Uh, Troilus and Cressetta, Bronwyn writes this. Troilus and Cressetta sounds like trials and crusades. Can we take that as a preview of the tales covered in Chaucer 1? <laughs> so <laughs> trials and crusades, does that capture the, the feeling of the uh, class? <laughs> I, I mean... <laughs> Uh, the trials in the uh, in the sense of trials and tribulations, I would say very much so. <laughs> Certainly in Troilus and, and Crusader, uh, probably not so very much crusading, uh, really. Um, but um, yeah, uh, it's it's. Uh, I mean, a good fun. I mean, uh, Troilus and Crusader. I don't think I really did say what it was about, but yeah, it's it's a a love story in set during the siege of Troy. Um, so it's set in the distant past, but has you know, there's the sort of the war and the the siege is very much a dominating feel, and then trying to sort of sort of a, a very tragic love story that plays out um, from Gorgeous. from, from woe does, to well and back to woe. Yeah, and it does seem like a background and and like the the geography and physicality and space that John's bringing to our attention may sit at the back of a lot if we can use our imaginations. A lot of what we're studying this semester. Okay, last question, super quick, starting with Coral. Um, if students were to kind of uh, read or, or watch something just kind of to, to warm up to the class. Uh, what's uh, something that you would read or watch? We'll do Coral uh, and then um, uh, Maggie, Nelson, and John. Okay. That's a, a good question. Um, besides Old Norse, um, there's a good 
general introduction overview of the kind of whole vibe and world and context of Norse myth and legend, which is done by Carolyn Larrington. Um, that's a book that we also use in some of Signum's courses that where we look at Norse, old Norse literature in translation. Um, and that's a good overview. It will give you kind of a background and vibe to what's going on in some of the different uh, poems that we'll be reading. So I think that would be that would be my first. Perfect. My that's first great. thought. Yeah, Maggie, what do you think? Uh, um, or maybe we should spend some time talking about this. What, what would something I, I um I reread Frankenstein um, and just and I uh, listened to it by audio just to to get into the that whole kind of romantic context. Uh, what, what what's something that students could do, um, or maybe that's the right thing to say? Yeah, kind of warming up to the course. Yeah, I think I'd just start with one of the texts. I mean, which one strikes your fancy the most and and dive in. Even if it's one you've already read, I always think going back and looking at it through new eyes is is worth it. So, you know, if, if it's Dracula or Interview with the Vampire or something you might be sideways familiar with because of the film or anything else, dig into that, but look at it with, with a slightly crisper set of eyes saying, ooh, what, what's beneath this? What inspired this? And and start to just engage that part of your brain as as we dig into it over the course. Yeah, and I reread Interview with a v Vampire just simply because, <clears throat> yeah, I can't read a book a week in the middle of a term, you know. So yeah, thank you, Carl. All right, uh, Nelson, and then John, just quickly. Yeah. Um, I mean, I think if you're if you're if you're thinking about taking Chaucer, I'd say start try, trying to read a little bit of Chaucer. Um, either either you know, either find a translation. There are quite a few translations uh bouncing around i think there's quite a few you can just find on the internet if you if you don't want to you know, have a copy around the house or can't get to the library uh and just yeah just start reading it uh, if you're a tolkien fan reading tolkien's lost chaucer is a good way to get in i think as well uh and start to learn a little bit about what what, what he's all about yeah yeah and john um sarah mentioned lays of uh Beleriand. Yeah. yeah and uh i don't you don't want to rush that one right like that's a great one to kind of trickle through the you know you don't want to read that in just a couple of days leading up to a lecture Actually, so a great one to read aloud to yourself yeah yeah good good yeah would that be the one that you recommend or do you have another kind yeah, of maybe i would uh, i would just take a quick uh check of your own strengths and weaknesses look at the reading list um and consider you know we want to look at what tolkien wrote what his life was like so if you haven't read a biography read a biography um if mm. you feel really at sea with his context his cultural context there's a, a stack of books on the on the suggested or you know recommended uh end of the reading list that you could pick and choose from about folklore about landscape um uh books about you know fa uh, maps in 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 creative um world building as well lovely lovely looking books if you if you uh, fancy uh, just dipping into a, a beautiful book uh, look at the writer's map mm. yeah beautiful nice excellent yeah and i love the um i actually when you had said maps i actually looked up because i have a stack of books where i'm kind of going through the maps just above my desk here uh where they have maps kind of on the inside or special atlases so that's that would be where i would go all right well thank you everyone so Thank you to Sarah and to Carl who had to go to meetings now. Thank you, Maggie, Nelson, John, for your time and for your teacherliness. 
uh, for uh, you're willing to kind of open um, uh, the digital doors, but also kind of take the risk of of being a great teacher uh, and uh, and open up this material uh, for the world. So everyone, there's still time to sign up for most of these for each of these courses, uh, and always reach out to one of us if you have any questions. We'll make sure that you can talk to a Signum advisor to make your choices well, uh, read well, uh, and enjoy the rest of the summer as we move towards the fall. Thank you, everyone. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks.